testing. Okay. All right. I'm Beth Rebert. We somehow we did not get Shirley in our program thing. We're sorry about that, Shirley. She said she wasn't going to speak, and I said, oh, yes, you were. So, <laughs> so one of the things that we wanted to talk about is that we wanted to go through some scenarios, things either w that we've dealt with personally or just scenarios in life. I wanted to do scenarios like I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write this out and I'm going to tell us, you know, talk about how we should work through these things. And the Lord said, no. And I said, no. So we had a back and forth, the Lord and I, a whole lot, because I just wanted to talk about, you know, external, not personal matters, really. But when the Lord tells you to do something, you're going to get obedient eventually. Sometimes it takes some of us longer than others. And I'm still a very stubborn, very um, prideful person. So it takes me longer, and that's okay, because I am a work in progress. So I know no one else struggles with any of those things. Just kidding. So some of the things, that w areas we thought we would talk about would be, one would be kind of friendships, one would be home slash family, and the other would be church. Um, so I'll do my first kind of scenario about friendships. Um, one thing that was really difficult, I went through to grad school for counseling, psychology, and there were three of us. There were, it was me and a guy and a girl, and we were the only Christians in this program. And this program was very hostile to Christians, very secular, and just it was a very difficult program to go through, but I know that that's what the Lord wanted us to do. And so the three of us became really good friends, and we were really encouraging to each other in our walk with the Lord, and um, it was really good and encouraging in that time. But then when we got out of grad school and we all graduated, things began to change, as, as they do. And um, all of a sudden, one of, my, one of my friends, he came out as a homosexual. And I was like, whoa, where did this come from? Like, this, I didn't see this. Like, so it was very difficult for me because we had been so close and we had encouraged each other and we had been there for each other. And I mean, scripture, we were in scripture. You know, I was involved in a church. He was involved in a church and so was my other friend. And it just really was hard on me. Like, where did this come from? How could this happen? And I continued to try to pursue a friendship with him, but he did not want to have a friendship with me any longer. So I know a lot of times in the world, oh, you know, you are intolerant and you're, you know, so mean and, and all this judgment. Honestly, for, for me, it came the other way around. Like he did not want to be friends with me anymore because I would not and could not because of my belief in what the Bible says and standing firm in that I, I could not support him in his homosexuality and because of that, because I wouldn't agree and say, yeah, that's great. I'm so happy for you. Basically cut me off as a friend. And there have been very few times that we have actually interacted since then. And that was, and I think that the Lord will do that. There will be times that we will have friends and it, we will be encouraged in that. And then there will be other times that that friendship is gone. Sometimes we understand why. And then sometimes we're just like, whoa, what happened to that friendship? That was really, really hard. 
and that person like is not in the same place in my life that they were anymore. So that's been my experience um, with the friendship part. I also have scripture, but in the way things have gone this week, I did not get to print out any of my notes. They're all on my phone, and I'll have to look it up because I have to wear glasses now because I'm old. <laughs> so while I do that, Jamie or Shirley, who wants to go next? Shirley. Hello. Uh, uh, this scenario, uh, I have a couple of scenarios, um, but the first one I want to share with you uh, is that even as Christians, uh, sometimes uh, we know the right thing to do, but we just don't do it. Uh, you know, uh, as we being people of God, you know, we see how important the Word of God is in our life, uh, and it's an infallible uh, guide to us in our emotional life as well, but we have a tendency sometimes to um, push that aside uh, for what we think is the right thing to do at the time. So uh, this scenario is about a widow. Uh, she was a widow for several years, uh, living solely on Social Security, and we all know those uh, some of the people that would fit in that category. Uh, but she eventually did uh, start dating and seeing someone. Uh, she uh, justified moving in with him uh, because uh, marriage for her meant losing her free medical status. She stated, I knew it went against God's commands, but I did it anyway. And the resulting guilt weighed heavily upon me. Uh, as, uh, this is her words. She told me the scripture, James 4, 17, tells us that to, uh, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. But the anxiety about my finances gave rise to living with a man outside of the marriage covenant. Being a Christian, you know, I struggle with this arrangement. Uh, and then it was a year you know, before uh, I decided to put that away, give it to God, and uh, entered into uh, marriage. Uh, she said I couldn't uh, live with sin anymore. Uh, I decided to trust Jesus in every aspect of my life. And she gave me, uh, we shared, I shared as a friend. I love how this goes uh, with, uh, about uh, the, putting to death ungodly emotions and the three steps this follows the three steps she did the honest self-evaluation she knew it was wrong um, she had godly friends that came to her and said what are you doing lady you are a christian you are a believer how could you do this uh, and also then she came to the confession and uh, the repentance for her sins. And we shared some, um, uh, the word about God being her provider uh, in Matthew 6, 25 through 34. I won't read the whole thing, but it goes in very deep uh, how he provides for us. You know, therefore, I will tell you, do not be anxious about your life. You know, what you eat, what you wear, and all these things. And he goes into great details uh, about how he will care and provide for you. Uh, and he, and he ends, uh, the passage ends with, and therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow. 
for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. So uh, uh, she relied heavily that he will be her provider. And also uh, Philippians 4.19 helped her to come to that uh, godly decision. Uh, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in, in glory in Christ Jesus. And uh, also the Holy Spirit uh, counsels our decisions. She realized that she needed counseling. And for Second Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us the spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So this is a scenario that a lot of um, uh, widows struggle with. You know, what do I do? So uh, if you know someone, then maybe you could have some scripture that you can uh, dig through and be that uh, godly friend uh, to those that are struggling with that. Uh, the second scenario uh, about the Holman family uh, is that uh, sometimes that we feel that we do not have value, that our life is not worth much. Uh, because of something maybe that's happened in our childhood about how we were treated at home. Uh, this uh, lady confided to me. She said, Mother cared more about her job than me. Uh, it gave her social status. She found fault in everything that I tried to accomplish. As a small child, my failure to please my mother took a toll on my self-esteem, and I became angry. Uh, and this was a middle-aged woman that she confided in me. She said, still today, I struggle with how she treats me, like a second-class person, like someone beneath her. I have forgiven her, but I would appreciate even an ounce of gratitude. Her ill treatment of me slaps me in the face multiple times, a day as I faithfully take care of her during the decline of her physical and mental health. Uh, so if you are struggling with self-worth or know someone that is struggling with that, uh, you can maybe find some um, wisdom in Psalm 139, 13 through 16. For you uh, formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame has not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. And to deal with that anger that this lady had, she went to Ephesians 4.26. Be angry and do not let uh, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. This is where her anger will not linger and will not turn into bitterness. And then forgiveness. She learned that forgiveness is sometimes ongoing, uh, like it had been with her mother and still is with her mother today. <coughs> then Peter came up and said in Matthew eighteen, twenty one through twenty two, Lord how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many times as seven times, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. So this just tells us that 
how forgiveness is uh, ongoing all the time. I did not do any introductions. I'm sorry. That occurred to me that I did not. This is Shirley Huffines. She goes to Corinth Baptist Church with us. And do you want to say anything about your life? I guess I can a little bit. Uh, I am a retired school teacher. I've uh, been retired for a little while, but uh, I just uh, enjoy uh, being a lifelong learner. I learned a long time ago that just because I'm a teacher doesn't mean that I can't be taught. And I still, I am very much a work in progress. <laughs> she is also an author. She didn't share that, but she's also an author. So that's Shirley. You ready? You don't have to say. You can do whatever you want. Just don't say it. I'm not ready. <laughs> I'm Jamie Stinnett. I feel like it's a thousand degrees in here, and <laughs> my heart is like about to beat out of my chest. I blame the steroid shot I had yesterday because I have poison oak. <laughs> Thanks. <sighs> okay. Um, on friendship, uh, the definition for friendship for me has changed over the years. Um, as I grow closer in uh, to Christ, my view on friendship has changed, and I have many of you in here that I am able to share that with, and I am so grateful. Um, but there are hard times in friendship, and I want to start with Scripture, because what I was before, I must put on the new. And um, so Ephesians 4, and if you know it, 22 through 32, so I apologize, this might be a little long, but it's always good to start in scripture. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after, after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good, such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, all, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So in former relationships and friendships, um, it was always, what can you tell me that I want to hear? And to see now that I look back at that, I wish people would have been more honest with where I was. But that we weren't even in that m mindset. We were um, not following after Christ. I mean, we went to church and did all the things and said the right things at the right times. But in the secrets, the secret places, we were... We were not that. And, um, but now I have these friendships who we can speak about Christ and just share 
life and, you know, our suffering and our hearts. But, <laughs> but God brings us through those things to give himself glory because we praise him. Sorry. We praise him for what we've been able to get through. And he gives us everything we need to get through that. Um, I've lost a lot of friends that were really close. And we don't think the same way. But <laughs> there's always hope. And we need to hang on to that hope. And we need to be that light for those friends that aren't in the word. Um, that's what I have to say. <laughs> Hi. Yeah. All right. Friendship can be hard, and it is different in different stages of life, definitely. And I think that the more we can have deep friendships, but usually only with people that have the same worldview that we have that uphold Christ. You, we can still be friends with those people, but are we going to be able to share the truths of the word as deeply as we can with a sister in Christ? No, we probably can't. So, but we're going to be witnesses in that. Um the next part that we're going to talk about is family. Um, well, first of all, I'm going to I'm going to read this. This is what I prayed for us. For I tried to turn it sideways. I'm sorry. I know she's my good friend because I don't know technology. Are you there? No. No. Oh, it's up there. Fine. Yep. See. She knows technology. I don't. All right. This is what I prayed for all of us for this conference. Um, Exodus 4, 11 and 12. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. So that's been my prayer for this conference, that God would give us the words that he wants us to say, not the things that we want to say, not the things that we think are important, but that he wants us to say. So one of the things that one of, one of the things that I don't want to talk about, but the Lord wants me to talk about, is my current struggle with doubt. Because there have been things in my home life, in my family life, that have happened in the last year and a half that have really made me doubt God, really made me think, okay, if God is good, then why has this happened? This does not feel good. So um, last April 2021, uh, we were on a family vacation, just the five of us, and we got a call that my brother-in-law had suddenly passed away. And so that left my sister-in-law, a 40-year-old widow, to raise three kids on her own. And that has been very, very difficult for us as a family, but especially for her. And I take it to Scripture. And, you know, Romans 8, 28, God's going to do everything you know, he's going to work for the good for those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Well, guess what? This doesn't feel good. And so then I have to go, okay, but it's not about my feelings. It's about God's going to work good 
for us. Now, does that, am I going to dictate what that is? I'd like to because I have control issues. <laughs> but, but God is going to do something with that. And it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it right now. It feels horrible. It feels hard. It feels like, you know, how is my sister-in-law supposed to go on? I mean, she has been for a year and a half, but it's not the same. And so that's a continual struggle for me. Like, and so I bring everything. My, let me find my favorite scripture. My favorite scripture is right here. Second Corinthians 10.5. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So when I'm having these doubts and I go, okay, this doesn't feel good. I don't like this. Well, guess what? I have to bring this under, under scripture. And so the things that I think and the things that I feel, if they are in contradiction with Scripture, guess who's wrong? Me. <laughs> it's not Scripture that's wrong. It's me. And so that's why I've got to go back. I've got to change my thinking, which is going to change my feelings, which is going to change my behavior. And, and this isn't also like a lifetime. This is a, not a one-time deal. It, this is every time. So, I mean, God's bringing me through it, but it's still a struggle because I, I don't understand like why this has happened. I don't understand the the purpose in this so far. And so that's one thing like as far as home goes that has been difficult because I mean now I will say when um the story you shared about the lady saying, you know, don't cry because it it, it is that as far as like my brother-in-law solid love Jesus and I I've knew him Last summer, before he died, I would have known him 30 years. I knew him longer than my husband. I knew him longer than a lot of people. And because we went, we grew up at church camp together. We met at church camp. And so in that, I go, you know, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right. Well, it's not right because death was not supposed to happen. We were supposed to live forever until we chose to sin. So that's what I have to do for myself. I have to take every thought and make it obedient to Christ, because all of my thoughts are usually self-serving, <laughs> usually what's good for me, what do I want to do, how is this going to make me happy, but I have to get that under the lordship of Christ and his word, because his word is what changes our hearts, his word is what changes our thoughts, and our feelings, and then our behaviors, and is it difficult? Yes. Does it require work? Mm, yes, yes, we have to do work. We I appreciate that you said we don't just get come to Christ and and get saved and then stop stop there and you know get baptized. No, it's it's a constant. It's a discipling. It's an everyday working. Let the Holy Spirit work in us. Um, you were talking about the things that we know we should do. N this is one of the things that I talk about. I am a mental health therapist, and this is one of the things that I talk with everybody about. Knowing and doing are two different things. <laughs> We can know something and not put it into practice. We need to know the word of God and put it into practice because if we just know it and we don't do it, we don't implement it in our lives, it's just, it's not what he wants from us. He wants it to activate and change our hearts and change our minds. So that's my struggle with my family life as far as, you know, not understanding and doubting the goodness of God. That's a a real struggle that I did not want to share, but God made me. So there you go. God will make us do things we don't want to do all the time. So now 
You can show. All right. So Matt and I got married really young. We were 20. We just both just turned 20. And really, our walk, like I said, my friendships have changed because of in my new life in Christ. And and I've been saved since I was, I don't even remember. Mom. <laughs> a long time. And the sanctification process took a long time to um, uh, come to fruition. But uh, I, I'm still learning, obviously. But uh, Matt and I's marriage was, the foundation was not so much Christ. I mean, it was because we went to church. We did all the things, like I said. Um, but then it changed after we had our second daughter, Lily. I mean, it, it started, too, with Kenzie. Um, that sanctification process, he, he put a desire in our hearts to want to go to church more and be in the Word and study with fellow believers and so through that, we've really grown to um, study the scriptures and, and desire to be with other believers. Uh, but there was a time in our marriage where we had Kinsey, our first child, and she turned blue on us because her she was early, so her neck muscles weren't developed, and when she was in the car seat, it's like she couldn't lift her neck. So she... Um, was probably this color plus purple, and I, I just held her in my arms or in my hands, and um, I just I thought she was dead. I was helpless. I I didn't know what to do. Matt's driving to get to the hospital because we were already going back to see what was going on. And at that moment, I just I didn't. I didn't know what to do, and, and it wasn't even, I don't even think I prayed. I, I really don't even know where I was at that moment, but we were had a lot of sleepless nights. We had fights. I mean, I obviously, a lot of you have been through a first child together and the difficulties of um, sleep deprivation and just being a parent. Uh, <laughs> they're hard on a marriage, and so... Going through these things, uh, one day I remember Matt looked at me. He's like, I don't even know why we're fighting. We're a team. And so from then on, I, um, God really started growing our relationship together and, and knowing that our kids needed to see that we were together and we were together in Christ, not just together as a couple. There, It was a lot deeper than that. And so... Um, that's kind of been the process throughout the years. And so our we we talk about things together. Our kids see that. It's important for them to see that we uh, discuss Christ and, and learn to forgive one another in front of our children. Um, even when they see if they see us fighting or however that needs to go, arguing, whatever we do. <laughs> uh, it's good for them to see how we respond to that conflict. Um in a godly way, rather than just letting it set and them thinking that we're going to get a divorce or, you know, our emotions obviously can run wild. And in, in a child, it's it's even harder because they don't understand how to battle those emotions. And so just looking back on 
the things that happen in our marriage and, and how he's grown us to love one another more and more through that, through those hard times. Um, it's not, it's, marriage is not easy, um, but in Christ, we can do it. And in order to love each other well, we have to love God first. And if we don't put God first, then we won't be able to surrender to the will of God in our marriage. And so that's. Thank you. All right. The last topic that I wanted to cover that I wasn't going to be sad if we didn't cover, but apparently we're going to, is uh, <laughs> emotions and our church bodies. So speaking from personal experience, and I'm pretty sure everyone has experienced this, we've all had some church hurt. It happens. We are sinful human beings. People have hurt us. We have hurt people. Sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes it is unintentional. But out of a lot of that comes, well, I just don't want to go. I just, it's not for me. Like, I, you know, church was a thing, you know, I did when I was a kid. But I just, I, I don't feel like it. I don't want to go anymore. So I want to read something from the book because I thought it was really, really good. Um, what if I don't feel like it? That question that arises when it comes to Christian experience is what to do when we do not feel like doing what we should do. Um, the guy who wrote this book is a pastor. He says, because I'm a pastor, people often ask me, isn't it better for me to stay home if I don't feel like going to church than to go to church when my heart isn't in it? Right, we've all heard this. Won't that make me a hypocrite? My answer is no. It will only make you a chain sinner lighting up one sin with another. After a puzzled look, I explain, if God commands us to do something and we don't do it, what is our normal course of action? Confession and repentance. Why should the protocol be any different when we fail to feel the way God commands us to feel? If he commands us to come and worship him with gladness, like he does in Psalm 100, verses 1 and 2, yet we don't feel like worshiping him with gladness, that is a sin. If we have no joy at the prospect of gathering with God's people on his day to sing his praise, there is some serious darkness in our hearts and some mixed up priorities. The lack of joy is sin. Confess it. Father, forgive me for not taking joy in what ought to be the true joy of my heart. And then repent, bringing forth fruits in keeping with repentance by going to church. Even if your heart does not change right away, do what you are supposed to do with a repentant heart. What you will find is that the power comes in the doing. God will forgive us, and our hearts will change in the process. So I thought that was really important because I know, oh, I'm a pastor's wife. I'm supposed to go to church. True. But also, I should want to go to church. I should want to be gathered with the, our church body to worship God because guess who church is about? Not me. <laughs> if, if church is about me, I'm in serious trouble. Church going and gathering with a body of believers should be about God and giving him the glory and praise and learning from his word so that we can go back out and share with other people. You know, that's, that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be sharing about him. And so I know that's the goal. That should be the goal of every church. That, to me, is, should be the goal of today is that we gather together to encourage each other, to speak truth and love, and then go out and put into practice the things that we've 
that we've learned, whether we feel like it or not, that we have to be obedient to what God has called us to do. So, that's all. I don't know about this part. Um, <laughs> so, let's just go over what I wrote about where my thoughts go during these times. <laughs> so, the... <laughs> So as I studied and prepared for the women's conference, I can't help but be reminded of how sinful my emotions become when they aren't grounded in God's truth, um, the objective truth, but perceived in my own truth, subjective truth. I am tempted to create these storms of false truth that are dangerous to my walk with Christ. These storms immediately cause defeat and leave me feeling insecure, wanting to give up or run away, whatever I can do to, to dismiss my circumstance. This leaves me in a spot to play the victim role, blame others, jump to conclusions, quick to respond to an offense, fix things or patch them up rather than let God shape and mold my character. Draw inward, creating a bitterness that only God can redeem. My victim mentality, which is obviously emotionally driven, <laughs> can bleed into other relationships, causing others to fall into sin because of a false reality that was created in my mind. Not truth, but my truth. Galatians 5.17 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So his truth must be our first priority. So he, he can sanctify our emotions into his likeness. Um, like they were talking about, we're created as image bearers, and we must bear the image of Christ through our circumstances. And though that be hard, it is a command. And um, one thing, you, uh, Glenda, you said it. It was one, something I wanted to say out loud was we become like what we behold. So what are we beholding? Are we beholding to save face, to save our name, to save our successes? Or, I mean, or are we beholding Christ and becoming image bearers to be sanctified and to give him glory in our circumstances and in our actions of how we respond to those circumstances I am not perfect by any means. I have messed up so many times, but I am thankful for the grace of God and um, redeeming me from some of these sinful thoughts <laughs> that can really wreak havoc on our faith. And so um, one thing I wanted to ask to end on was, what lens are we looking through? Are we looking through the lens of God's truth or looking through the lens of man's word or man's truth? So make sure we always go back and honestly check our hearts and ask God to search and know um, if there's any grievous way in us. And so I'll, I'll keep trying to hand you this. Um, yes, I do. Actually, this was a really good quote. John Owen, um, in the book, you should totally get this book. It's really good. Um, it says, It is by beholding the glory of Christ by faith 
that we are spiritually edified and built up in this world. For as we behold his glory, the life and power of faith grow stronger and stronger. It is by faith that we grow to love Christ. So if we desire strong faith and powerful love, which give us rest, peace, and satisfaction, we must seek them by diligently beholding the glory of Christ by faith. In this duty, I desire to live and to die. On Christ's glory, I would fix all my thoughts and desires. And the more I see of the glory of Christ, the more the painted beauties of this world will wither in my eyes. And I will be more and more crucified to this world. It will become to me like something dead. Is it putrid? <laughs> putrid, impossible for me to enjoy. So we need to fill our minds with Christ so that we can behold him um, and not this world. Brent wanted us to kind of open up for a panel discussion. If anybody has any questions, I am not good in talking in front of large groups of people. I'm more of a one-on-one -on -one person. I think Jamie would agree. I don't know about Shirley, since you're a teacher. You might be better with large crowds of people. But I thought that, you know, it, like Lindsay said, if you all have any questions that you all want us to answer, we don't have to answer them today. We can exchange phone numbers, do emails, that kind of stuff. Because we... I think it's been encouraging, at least for me today. Sometimes we think, oh, well, I'm the only one in our community or, you know, I'm the only one in my school. Or I'm the only one here or there. And, and we start to have a pity party for ourselves when really, you know, there are women all over our county and our community that want to uphold Christ and want to give him glory. But sometimes we get so busy, we don't get to see each other and we don't see, okay, wow, I haven't seen this person in a while. I'm encouraged by this person being here. And we have to, you know, be encouraged by each other and be able to share things, you know, hey, I need prayer in this area. Can you please pray for me? Or how can I pray for you? And just opening up our circle of influence and our circle of friends because sometimes we just get, we get too focused on what we're doing and we don't, open our eyes up to see what's going on, actually see people and see what's going on with them. So, um, yeah, that's what we have. And so I think that I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have a time of worship. Yes? Okay. Dearly Father God, I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. I thank you for all the ladies, Lord, that have spoken today. And, Lord, I th just thank you for giving everybody the words that you wanted each and every one of us to say. Lord, um, I thank you that through your Holy Spirit, Lord, you make us obedient to the things you want us to do. And, Lord, I just ask that you help us to bring our thoughts and our feelings, Lord, under the submission, Lord, to Scripture and to the things that you say that are true, Lord, not our truth, but your truth. So, Lord, I just ask that we would um, finish this conference well, Lord, and that we would be encouraged by these other ladies, Lord, to be able to share prayer requests, Lord, and share concerns and, and share our lives together, Lord, and know that we are all on the same team, and Lord, that our, our goal is to give you glory, so Lord, help us do that, and help us to encourage each other in our walks with you. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. <laughs>